Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. So I remember when I was uh, a little kid going going to the beach. It was kind of our once-a-year vacation. We would head down to the Outer Banks. And my favorite activity, uh, and I was pretty unique in this, was I would bring a, a, an actual adult-sized shovel with me to the beach and just started my engineering career early um, and would dig these, I would dig these holes that, that were absolutely death traps. In fact, I've gone back to those beaches and they now have signs that forbid that kind of, you could lose a car in one of the, right? I mean, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying, you know? <laughs> so I'd build, I'd, I'd, with my cousins, you know, we'd build this like great big sand wall and you had to build it just below high tide to see if you could win. You know, like building it way up where the water's never going to touch it is pointless. You've got to, like, test it. And, of course, we always lost, despite, you know, we'd be there for, like, 10 hours of prep. But the ocean's big. I don't know if you, if you knew. Um, and there goes 10 hours of prep. But it's fun to watch as the waves take the wall and fill the, now, from a hole to a swimming pool. Um, but it's kind of a picture of futility. I mean, we had a good time. That's the point. And we were together, the family. That's the point. But it's just futile. At the end of all that, you know, within 24 hours, the beach looks like we'd never been there. Have you had perhaps a time in your life where you've invested more than 10 hours in something that turns out to be futile? This is one of the harder things you could talk about in life. It's easy to invest 10 years into something that turns out to be futile. It could be a relationship. It could be a career. It could be just a vain ambition and pursuit. Um, what we're going to talk about today gives meaning to everything we do. Uh, meaning is something our, our culture is really struggling with because they, they flushed it away. Um, so people try to find meaning here in life and, and do something that matters, something that lasts, something that doesn't get washed away with the, the sandcastle. Um, but the doctrine we're going to talk about today that God gives us in his word of the resurrection gives meaning, not just, it gives hope. Yes, it gives hope. But it gives meaning to now, too phenomenal. That's wonderful news. As you serve the Lord, if you're serving the Lord and it does not go well in this world, you're serving the Lord and, and things tank, and you go, what did I do all that for? You ever been discouraged? I've been discouraged. I've been discouraged this week. You know? the, the, the fact that Christ reigns and that this world is not the end gives meaning to everything that we're doing. And that is, that is a wonderful thing. So we're going to talk about today a, a wonderful uh, truth that the Lord's given us, the resurrection of the dead. Hopefully you have your notes. Do you have your notes? We're in section 7 today. Hopefully they're easier to find than they used to be because we have now upgraded to notebooks. So if you've got those, section 7. If you don't, there's probably extras over there. I don't know these things. Um... <laughs> All right, so I just put up at uh, page one, most of it will go kind of quickly, uh, but just, just the reality that uh, a lot of what we've talked about with regards to the end times are things that are debated amongst Christians. A very few things that I'll mention today, particularly some of the way I draw the timeline here, are up for debate amongst Christians. And if you land at a different place than I do, you are still welcome here as a part of Mercy Hill. Um, but Christians also do believe some fundamentals together. And, and that's what we gather around. We're not just a social club. We're, the, we're a people of the Word. We gather around the Word. And, and, and Christians have held since Christ ascended that He will return. Uh, and, and so that's what we get to talk about. What happens when He returns and, and the resurrection of the dead. Uh, 
So I'm going to start then with our statement of faith, which is under point one, our statement of faith, Christ's return and resurrection. This is the statement of faith of Mercy Hill, and we share it with other Sovereign Grace churches. Um, <clears throat> At the end of the age, the just and the unjust will be raised as their souls are reunited to their bodies. The just to a resurrection of life, the unjust to a resurrection of judgment. When the dead in Christ are raised, their perishable bodies will be redeemed and made like Christ's imperishable, glorious, powerful, spiritual body. Those in Christ who are alive shall likewise be changed, and thus will all God's glorified people forever bear the image of their Savior. Praise God. So that's what we're going to unpack today. As always, if you have questions, shoot your hand up. As always, I might ignore you, but I probably won't. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, try to, we'll try to keep moving. But I think we've got more time today than, than uh, this, this is not as uh, question-provoking, perhaps, as some other things. So <clears throat> under number two, then, major texts. I wanted just to put the, the, the main text of Scripture here for you. I think it serves to, to read the Word about this and not just work to synthesize. I want to synthesize. But we want, we, what are we synthesizing? Well, these are some of the main texts right here that we're, we're looking at. So, so I thought uh, someone could read for us um, 1 Corinthians 15. There's two paragraphs there, one beginning in verse 42, the other beginning in verse 50. Could somebody read that first one? Who could read the first paragraph for us? All right, Holly, thank you. Who could read the second paragraph for us? All right, Mr. Donahoe, thank you. All right, just a quick before we read the second part there. So, Paul is talking about two men. Adam and the second Adam, Christ. Right? And he's just doing a compare and contrast. Adam was made of the dust. And everybody of Adam bears that image, bears that resemblance. We are creatures of dust. Everyone in Christ will bear his image as well. And his is a spiritual body. Have you thought of that term? Spiritual body? So we're not talking about a spirit. A spirit is just a spirit. It's bodiless. We're talking about a body that is infused with the, the life of God. That, that's eternal. It is spiritual in the sense that it's, it's no longer subject to those things of the flesh, of, of, of the curse, of death, of all of those things. So so Christ right now has a spiritual body, and those who are in Christ will one day bear that image as well. Okay. Verse 50. Yeah, thank you.
Amen. Praise God. All right, so talking about the day that co that's coming when our mortal bodies put on what is immortal. Perishable becomes imperishable. This is the resurrection that we are talking about. All right, uh, the next one. Um, I'll read the next one. 2 Corinthians 5. Um, and just to catch us up, Paul speaks of our bodies as a tent. For we know that if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may be found not, uh, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. <clears throat> if you are my age, or older, and for many who are younger, you understand what it means to groan to be in this tent. Aging is one of the hardest things we have to do. It's better than the alternative. <laughs> but kind of not. I mean, like, to part is to be with the Lord. <clears throat> aging, is, is, aging is death worked out over time. Just losing one thing after the other after it, it's it is that's it's it's just in this tent we groan Paul says um, <clears throat> there's other ways to groan as well at, at, at every age you recognize that indwelling sin in this tent causes us to groan and the the fact of being in the world but not of the world and being hated by the world causes us to groan and Persecution can cause us all of those things, but but whether you experience that in youth or not, older age, man, there's a groaning. But the groaning is not, if it's informed here, it's not that we just die, as Paul would say, be found naked. No, we want to put on something better than this. You know? How many people, how many people when they're older feel young inside? It's just the body that's getting old, right? Have you heard of that, that picture, that, that painting that shows the, the woman who's, who's just aged, but she's looking in the mirror and she sees this young, beautiful woman staring back at her, right? That's, that's this right here. And that's the hope that we're talking about right here. That, yep, aging happens. The outer man is wasting away, and we still have hope. This is what we're talking about today. All right, 1 Thessalonians 4. Could somebody do this one for us? All right, thanks, Jess. Amen. Okay, those are the, listen, the, the doctrine of the resurrection from the dead is throughout our Bibles. It is particularly throughout our New Testaments. Uh, but these are, these are the three biggest chunks of teaching on it. All right? We're going to look at many more verses as we go. So let's just talk very briefly, number three here, bodily resurrections in the New Testament. Perhaps you're familiar with different times that people were raised from the dead as Jesus did miracles, right? Uh, Jairus' daughter in Luke 9, the widow's son in Luke 7, 
Lazarus in John chapter 11, and then the disciples raising Dorcas in Acts chapter 9. Now, these were all, as we would say, resurrections because somebody was dead and then they came back to life, right? But it is not like what we're talking about today when we talk about the final resurrection. Why? Because they were resurrected mortal. They were brought back to life as still fallen mortal humans, and they, though brought back to life, are all dead now. So, there's a, there's a breaking in to human history of resurrection that began to happen in the coming of Christ. A picture of what is to come. But the picture is not the reality. The reality is yet to come. All right? So there's a likeness, but mostly not like. Uh, just what we saw there. Now, number four on page three. The bodily resurrection of Jesus, very different. His is like ours. Or, more correctly, ours is like his. So he came back to life to never die again. He came back to life with a glorified body. As the scripture calls it, a spiritual body. That death has no more power over. Um, do you know that Christ has a body right now? Like we, we're, we're used to talking about like the presence of Christ being with us. And indeed he is. And this, is, this is, gets into the, the mystery of the Trinity that's just, whoo! He's present with us through the Holy Spirit right now. Christ himself is in bodily form right now on his throne. And it is that bodily form that we will one day bear the likeness of. That's what we're talking about in the, the resurrection. And this is clear in Scripture. So 1 Corinthians 15 I'm here under number 4 at the top of page 3. 1 Corinthians 15. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. But each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, then, at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So, he's the first bit of harvest that comes off the apple tree. You know, you, you, you walk out and... It's not the time for ripe apples yet. But look, there's one ripe apple on the tree. And, and you can take that one ripe, ripe apple and you can hold it up and say, there's a harvest coming. There's going to be more like this that are coming. That's what the concept of first fruits means. It's a celebration in advance of the harvest that's about to come in because you have the first evidence of it. That's what Christ's resurrection is. It's Yes, he rose. Praise God. That's what we celebrated last week. But because he rose, we will rise. And we will rise like he rose. Like the way that he rose. So, uh, coming down to a quotation by uh, Hokema. The resurrection of Christ is the pledge and guarantee of the future resurrection of believers. All previous resurrections mentioned in the Bible were again followed by death. Only the resurrection of Christ is never to be followed by death. And it is this type of resurrection to which believers look forward. Because Christ rose, believers too shall arise. So, how do we know this is all true? We anchor our hope in the future, in the past. We look back and say, did he rise? This is, this is one of the biggest questions in the New Testament. Did he rise? Paul would say, if not, we're fools. We're to be pitied. If he did, then so will we. Everything hinges on that. So when we look back at the resurrection like we did last week for, for Easter, we're in a sense looking forward as well. There's a, oh, look what happened. This is why Christians celebrate it every year. <laughs> it's not just this, he rose, yay, and yes, he did rise, but I see my future in his resurrection. That's good news. All right, he's also called the firstborn from the dead. So there's 
the first fruits of the resurrection and the firstborn from the dead. Well, the, the concept of being the firstborn certainly lends a thought that there might be more than one who's going to be born from the dead. He's just the firstborn from the dead. All right. So, number five then, and kind of what we're here to talk about, the future bodily resurrection of believers. So, um, the, the word often used in the scriptures to talk about this is glorification. You might have, you might have heard of that. That's the, that's the final step in sort of the process of salvation. Glorification, when we are made like Christ. Well, when are we going to be made like Christ is, is fully when, at the resurrection, when we're given a body like his. All right, I'm going to read a couple verses here. So 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. Praise God for that. Beloved, we are, right now, God's children. What we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we shall see him as he is. You hear John, John is writing, he's giving hope. He's speaking truth for now. Christ's death and resurrection has already secured our sonship, our adoption right now. And then John admits his ignorance. Says, what we will be has not yet appeared. Uh, John can't quite see past the veil either. Because the Lord's not opening that door yet for John to see or for us to see in full. There's mystery regarding what will this really be like. But John says, this is enough. We know that when he appears, we're going to be like him. Because we're going to see him as he is. 1 Corinthians 15, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. This is what it means that Jesus is the second Adam. He is starting a new race of people. This race is of every race upon the earth, every tribe and tongue and people and nation. It is to those that look to him in faith and will become like him. It's, it's, the, it's the heavenly race of God's people. This is, this is the people that God's been redeeming from all time who will become like him. Philippians 3.21 He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is almost a humorous verse. <laughs> uh, what's it going to take to make your body glorious? It's going to take the power of Christ that can subject all things to himself. Wow. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we see death working in our bodies. Things aren't the way that they should be. I struggle with headaches almost every week now. And that, ugh, one day, be gone. And it's going to be the power of the risen Christ who's been given all authority in heaven and on earth. What's he going to use that power for? To give you a new body. One that's meant to live forever. And that sense that you have inside that you were made to live forever, you're right. God put that there, and he will fulfill that. That's remarkable and wonderful. I will leave some of these for you to read on your own. I'm going to go to verse, uh, verse 4. I'm going to go to page 4. And the verse at the top, 1 Corinthians 15, 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. What kind of a phrase is that? How long does it take the eye to twinkle? What does it mean? <laughs> what is a, what's a twinkling of an eye? It's really fast. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Praise God.
All right, so the focus this morning is on the future bodily resurrection of the believer. But there are two resurrections, of the believer and the unbeliever. Scripture says of the just and the unjust. So, uh, number six, future bodily resurrection of unbelievers. This resurrection will also occur at the second coming of Christ. Quoting here from Burkhoff, the resurrection of the just and the unjust have this in common, that in both bodies and souls are reunited. But in the case of the former, this results in perfect life. Well, in the case of the latter, it issues in the extreme penalty of death. And so now we're talking about that second case, Daniel 12.2. You might remember this. We, it wasn't too long ago we were in Daniel together. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. John chapter 5, come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And Acts 24, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will, will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. <clears throat> I think it is... Uh, It is profound, and uh, the right word sad, sober, profound and sober. Those who are apart from Christ will be resurrected, united with bodies that can never die for the purpose of judgment. So judgment then will be both upon the soul, and the body of the unbeliever. As we know, we can be afflicted both internally, heavily burdened of soul and heart, and externally. And that's the resurrection of the unbeliever. We're going to talk more about that uh, in the last class for this. All right, so number seven. Not to pass number six too quickly. Tell others about Jesus. Pray for others that they would turn to Jesus. Yeah. I agree. So Holly says it's a grieving for her to think of this. I believe that is a right response as believers. Um, the Lord, there's mystery, right? There's mystery in providence. But the Lord does say he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And in that sense, I believe right now, we're called to, to, to image God in that way and, and to plead the words of Christ to people. And say, turn, turn to him. Um, I also think we're going to image God, by the way, on that last day. In that, not that we will rejoice necessarily in the condemnation of the wicked. We will rejoice in the glorification of Christ. We will. We will rejoice in the glorification of Christ. How he does that in me is going to take a resurrection. I don't know. But he's going to give a resurrection. Okay, well, I'm going to trust that when I'm like Christ, I'm gonna it's gonna make sense. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> no 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 no. None of you will have hair. <laughs> That's right. That's very good, Jim. <laughs> Was there <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> 
my wife is just like just shaking her head at me right now. I cannot, I cannot believe you said that. All right. Uh, were there other questions before we we moved on? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Outer man is wasting away. Inner man is being renewed day by day. Almost preached that last week. Legitimately felt like the Lord wouldn't let me. Um, that, but yes, that sense that the outer man is just wasting away. Uh, if you're not there yet, take heed, for goodness sakes. And at the very least, don't build sandcastles. Because the tide's coming. Look around. We're not unlike you. Just a couple years ahead. <laughs> this is how it goes. You know, this is the, Lord, teach me to number my days, that I could gain a heart of wisdom. Um, but that's not all the Bible says, right? Number your day. Yep. Teach me to number my days because this time is short, but time is not short. There's hope in that as well. It teaches us, don't just live for this short time. Live for the time that doesn't end, um, that we're looking forward to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we're going back to point three on, uh, let's see, page two, where we talked about four different examples of, the, of bodily resurrection in the New Testament. And the question is, you know, where, were the, where was Lazarus' soul after he died, but before Jesus brought him back? Uh... I guess two answers. Number one, I don't know. Uh, number two, I guess I don't see any, there is no scriptural basis to think that anything different happened to him. In other words, we will say he truly died, right? Like Lazarus truly died. So his soul and body were truly separated. That is what physical death is. Um, Presuming then he was a believer, I think is a good assumption for Lazarus, then I would say his soul was with the Lord, uh, that is with God in heaven. Um, in which case it's kind of interesting. I think, I have to go back? <laughs> but to be with the Lord, yeah, don't worry, Jesus is right there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I don't really know. I do think that's the most likely answer. I, I, I don't know that we need to have a separate category for those four people. But again, the, the purpose here was not so much uh, to teach us about the afterlife or something. The purpose here was to teach us about Jesus. That his coming was going to change everything, even death. And so that began to break out right away. This, this was evidence of a new kingdom. This, ha this, this didn't happen. And now it began to happen. Um, I guess we could have another one, right? Just occurred to me. When Christ was raised, yeah. Yeah, all, all, all these tombs opened in Jerusalem. And, and, the, and the dead came out. Um, presumably for a short time? That is a moment in history that's just amazing and kind of weird uh i mean really like wow that would have been a stunning thing to, to witness um so there you go not not entirely sure but that that's my best guess Sue.
you know, right. Okay, so the question is, is there, his, is there historical accounts that back up the gospel accounts of dead people being raised? The answer, as best I know, is no. I, I do remember, we just went through Matthew not too long ago, and preparing to preach that, that was some of the commentators were saying, wow, just, wow. Now we do have, I'm not sure how many Gospels say that explicitly, but a few. So we do have more than one eyewitness account of this, but none extra biblical. So, yeah. Uh, the, the reality is, of course, we're dealing with a time period that is so in the dust historically that having existing other testimonies that they're very, very few and far between. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. We're going to get another one of those today. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great question. So, are there any believers who will not be resurrected? Because in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, the Lord seems to really be calling out the church. And not to give away today's message, but uh, the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. So it is clearly to the one who conquers. <clears throat> Which brings us to... It's a good thing to get to talk about, actually. Revelation lets it sit there. It doesn't untangle that knot. So when I preach it here in a few minutes, I'm not going to untangle the knot either. I'm just going to let it sit there. But... I do take it to be that believers conquer. So, then, believers. In other words, salvation is not as simple as pray a prayer and you're saved. Do, do we often pray a prayer when we get saved? Yes. Can you call people to pray a prayer of repentance? Do so. Call them to pray a prayer. Okay, But, but we're not... But something transformative happens inside. We are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Right? So it's not a small thing when somebody is ushered from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And that saving grace is a persevering grace as well. And is a conquering grace. And so part of the way the Lord keeps us is through warnings, is through stern exhortation, but it is the Lord who keeps us until the end. So, um, so take good hope, Christian, even when you hear those warnings of Christ. Hide back in Christ again. It's the only place we can go. Hide in Christ and keep running because he is able to keep us. So, I'm not sure how you phrase the question, but the answer is all believers will have resurrected bodies. And that, that's, I mean... That's clearly the testimony of the whole New Testament. You know, we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. So, but that's how it comes together, I think, theologically. So. Great. Good questions. All right, what kind of body are we going to have? Better. <laughs> what kind of body will we have? But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? Like, with what kind of body do they come? Paul answers, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. He says a lot right there. All right? So, same but different. All right? Same, but different. There's going to be a continuity between who we are, what we look like, all of that physical stuff about us, and, and what we are to be. There's a, there's a continuity there, but there's a discontinuity as well. So, so 
the example in here, uh, which was not mine, but I appreciate it. An apple seed, when it is sown in the ground, does not produce a rose bush. There's continuity. You know what to expect. However, an apple seed, when it's put in the ground, does not produce an apple seed either. There's something dramatically better and different. So there's a, okay, I see. And Paul uses this example of, of wheat being sown in the ground, of a seed being sown in the ground. Is it similar? He says, yeah, like you know how farming works. You put wheat seed in the ground and you get this stalk of wheat growing up out of the ground. You get the, the same but better. The same but different. But different within some boundaries of, 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 of expectation. So perishable versus imperishable, he says in verse 42. So perishable. I, I always think of like things like on a shelf, you know, like the, the, the expiration date. And it's, it's perishable food. Uh, we are perishable. And in fact, have an expiration date. We just don't know what it is. But we do. We're, we're, we're perishable. Um, we're going to become imperishable. That, that's remarkable. That's really great. Not subject to disease, to decay, to sprained ankles, to, 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 to needing glasses, maybe to being bald. We'll have to see. Um, com completely strong and completely healthy forever. Um, what is sown in dishonor will be raised in glory. Um, I, think, I think one of the harder things of aging is the dishonor of it. You know, like that, that older woman looking in the mirror who just, I didn't always look like this. Now, she's kind of fallen from the heights of her beauty and how the people would look and say, oh, you know, she walks in the room and every head turns kind of a thing. And, and unless you die in your youth, then you will experience that being faded away. And it's, it's from a perspective, dishonorable. And, and the, the last stages are particularly dishonorable. If you haven't considered the last stages of aging, it is wise to do so. We bury our heads in the sand as a culture on this. And... And then we ship people off to a home where we don't have to see it. It, 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 is, it, is, it is right for us to honor those who are old. Absolutely. But becoming old is a process of dealing with the dishonoring of having a body that's failing. Um, and it is remarkably good news that that's going to be turned on its head and we're going to have glory. What does that mean, glory? Like, these aren't my words that I, that I have here. These are from somebody else's notes that I'm using. A beauty and attractiveness. Radiant. Not just external, but within. And not just within, but without. And, uh, a radiant. What is sown is in weakness will be raised in power. Maybe this fits a little bit better for men who kind of hit the, the uh, maximum age of strength at some point between 18 and 40 and just heading down after that and, and dying is weakness. It's sort of the ultimate. And, and they'll be raised in power to fulfill the God-given potential that he's given to his people. He's given us, and that, I think that's part of the aging thing as well, where like we can't do what we want to be able to do. And that's going to be reversed. And we could do more than we ever could do. That's great news. Um, and then natural versus spiritual. So it's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body that is... It is raised in tune with the Spirit of God, subject not to the lusts of the flesh, but rather in resonance with the desires of the Spirit. That's amazing. 
no more fallen nature. So, um, so a couple other things. I'm on the last page now. He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. So we're going to be, uh, as best we can tell, this is going a little further out on the limb, but I think we're on really good ground here. Recognizable to each other. Uh, physical bodies, 100%. That's not out on the limb at all. Uh, able to eat. I say these things because of the details that we know of Christ's post-resurrection self. Like, he was recognizable to the disciples. Um, he ate with the disciples. They knew who he was when they saw him. John chapter 20, Jesus says to her, Mary. And with that one word, she turns and says, Rabboni, teacher. Um, apparently knew his voice. That's powerful. That's amazing. Maybe we'll know each other's voices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. I think, friends, it is particularly sweet to think of that day. I look around the room, and if I were to shut my eyes, for most of you, if you were to say something, I could tell you who was speaking. For most of you. And the Lord, I look forward to hearing your voice. It is a sweetness that the Lord has given us these dark days together. And we will celebrate those days together too. And, and there will be lots of people <laughs> uh, that we're going get to, to get to know and to celebrate with for all eternity. But there will be this group that walk together in these days. And there's a sweetness to that, I think. that will be recognizable, that we'll know each other. And all of that. Glory to God. Uh, John twenty twenty. When he said this. He showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. He said to Thomas. Put your finger here. And see my hands. And put out your hand. And place it in my side. Do not disbelieve. But believe. Uh, so. So. The scars of Christ are present in heaven. I've got no basis for whether we're going to have scars in heaven. I tend to think no. I tend to think that his are marks of glory. So perhaps there may be some dear saints who have suffered in the name of Christ. that they will get to wear those as well. But to that extent, there won't be any other remains of disfigurement or disability of any kind. All right. Mystery remains. We must confess, however, that the Bible tells us very little about the exact nature of the resurrection body. We know something of what we shall not experience, but we know little of what we shall experience. All we do know is that it shall be wonderful beyond our highest imaginings. That's pretty good. So we do well to imagine for a bit. Uh, use a sanctified imagination and consider. And then consider whatever heights you get to, it will be better than that. All right, last little bit here is just uh, by way of application. What we do in our body now matters. What we do in our lives now matters. And it is the resurrection that gives us that meaning. So 1 Corinthians 15 is the resurrection chapter. That's how I learned it as a kid. 1 Corinthians 15 is the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 15 is the resurrection chapter. 
the, the, that's the whole thing. And that chapter comes to its crescendo in verse 58 with the word therefore. In light of 57 verses on the resurrection, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So this takes the vanity out of life and you know, the, the building for 10 years of something that doesn't go well. I've got friends, when I was first coming into ministry, Sovereign Grace had a bunch of problems. And there were many churches that closed. And I knew these men had faithfully labored for 20 years to see churches built that the enemy swept away in a moment of gossip and slander. And I felt for these men as they now lived out their retirement without the dear church that they had invested their life in. And I was just starting out, and I thought, am I going to do that? I've got no guarantees I'm not going to do that. But in the Lord, my labor's not in vain, and neither was theirs. In the Lord, all that we're doing in this life sows ahead into that next life. That is good news. So parents, parents, your kids. Laborers, keep working each day through the difficulty of working. Let's serve the Lord together. Steadfast, immovable. Okay. Praise the Lord. Any questions? Paul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Right, right. Yeah, so Paul said, it, we know that it seems as though Christ was able to appear in rooms with locked doors. That's true. If you, if you look at the couple stories of his post-resurrection, the disciples are in a room, the doors are locked because they're chickens. And... And then Jesus appears among them. So uh, I think the most natural reading of that is that he appeared in the room. I, um, I do not know if that means we will have teleportation abilities when we're resurrected. That would be awesome. <laughs> but I can say this, it will be better than even that imagining. How's that? That's good news. Yeah, Jim. <laughs> very good yes very good any other questions excellent okay well uh, let us uh, end our time here Lord help us to be steadfast and immovable and abounding in the work of the Lord Lord would you help us to cling to this teaching as though it were true as we get older and as we walk through failures and difficulties and the vanities of life. Lord, thank you that in you, following you is not in vain. In your name, amen.